Welcome to this episode of Under the Marquee, coming to you from Nightbird Recording Studios in the underground of the Sunset Marquee Hotel in West Hollywood, California. Under the Marquee is sponsored by Takamini and ESP Guitars. Also sponsoring our programming is Cult of Individuality Clothing Company. It's denimology at its best. So my guest here today for uh, Under the Marquee is Adam Ethan Crow, writer-director. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me, brother. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's been kind of crazy and hectic. And uh, yeah, sometimes life gets in the way a little bit. But I'm but here it's, now. It's been good, though. You've been really super busy. Yeah, yeah. We've um, uh, got a TV show we're doing at the moment for a, a streaming service. And uh, we've been uh, uh, producing a movie as well. Um, which we just finished. We're now going to post-production on that. That's Lair? That's Lair, yeah. yeah, which has been... Uh, it's been a proving ground for everyone's talents, which has been great. I think because it's an independent film, mm-hmm. so we haven't got the huge studio budget. Um, and uh, the weirdest thing about it is um, my producer is also my partner who used to work in a studio. And she actually pointed out at one point that um, our entire budget is the equivalent of her catering budget on her last movie. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit different, yeah. Well, sometimes those make the best movies. I think so, man. I was talking to um, a friend of mine who's a, a, a renowned director, and he said to me, he said, um, uh, when it comes to movies, all you want is a good story told well. Mm. And sometimes that story is told as a silent movie or a black and white movie or a 3D movie or something like that, but you just tell it well. And part of the reason why I love what I do is that I get to... Uh, you know, I, I, I get to create something, but I don't do it alone. I, I do, as a writer, I work alone. That's solitude, and I drew that. As a director, I'm surrounded by a wealth of really talented, enthusiastic people. Everybody on my set is a patriot, not a mercenary, because we don't have the money to pay them well, so they have to be there because they want to be. And, uh, I mean, when we just did, like, when we wrapped on the last day, it was like saying goodbye to family, and we've got pickups coming in a week or so, and I'm looking forward to getting back with the game. You mentioned uh, writing. You wrote a comic book, didn't you? Um, a year and a half ago, I wrote a, uh, a comic book. There's a guy called Martin Martin oh, Griff. I've got his name. Yeah, Martin Griffin, and um, he's an illustrator, mm. and he does uh, Deadpool. He does X Men. He does all these. Ma- he works for Marvel, for um, DC, and he's a friend. And um, I had a movie that I thought would make a great movie, and. Uh, I just ran it past a friend of mine who uh, I'm working with out here and he was like, this is $150 million. You're not going to get this, mate. <laughs> I was like, really? What if I sell my kidney? And um, then I explained I drank a lot and my kidney would probably not work for anybody. And, um, <laughs> and so I, I was talking to Martin. He said, well, why don't we break it down to a, a comic book? We break the, mo- the screenplay down to six books and we'll do that. And we did the first book. Uh, it's called The Fourth Wall. And we took it to Comic-Con about two years ago in the UK. Yeah. And uh, was it last year? Was it last year or the year before? I drink too much. I should calm down. <laughs> <laughs> As an Irish South African, people have to understand that to us, alcohol is a sport. So um, we, uh, we took it to Comic-Con to test of 2,000 books and we sold out in half an hour, which was great. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. So that's there and we're, we're looking at doing another episode. But then I got tied up with doing this movie and other things and... So it's there, and at some point we'll come back to it. But You didn't sell out because you were selling them for a dime each, did you? 
We actually, um, we paid people to take them away because otherwise, <laughs> it's like Because otherwise you wouldn't be able to say that you were sold out in 30 minutes. That is minutes. very true. That is very, very true. But the weirdest thing about it was we're sitting there because Martin's a, a big name. If you're into comic books, you, you'll know the work he does and stuff like that. Sure. And so we've got this queue and we've got our posters for our book. And then next to us, yeah, Deadpool and all these other And these guys are lining up to get Martin to sign the book. And as they're buying the book, you know, Martin will sign him because he's the artist. And... Um, They'd come up to me and I'd sit there all expectant like a kid on Christmas Day, you know. And they'd come along and Martin would sign the book and go, oh, by the way, this is the writer. And they'd look at me like I, I don't know, stood on their foot and go, oh, great. And then just wander off. I'm going, please let me sign something. And, and, uh, That's like, rude. Yeah, it is. But, you know, he, he did all the hard work. I just did the story. But um, a couple of people signed it. And it was, it was kind of cool because yeah. my take on it was because um, I paid for that myself to get those books made as a, as a tester to see what we could do with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I figured if everything goes horribly wrong, the worst case scenario would be I get a comic that I wrote that's been, and it was, pre- it was done, it was print, we produced it as a real comic book. We didn't take it out to market. We just wanted to try a comic con, see what interest we got. And we got a lot of interest and a lot of notes and stuff. But I think the worst thing is I put that in between all of my other comic books, you know, and when I'm, you know, between my Batman and my Superman, I'm X-Men, you know, that's not the worst thing to have done in life, you know? No, not at all. So Do it was you, really, really cool. So you didn't self-publish it on... No, Was no, it available anywhere? No, we, we didn't want to do that because um, we want to... The, the plan is, and this is the problem, I'm one of those people who um, I, I enjoy... I, I want to live life on my own terms, and I'm very lucky to be able to do that to an extent. But I'm also like the, the dog in up. Squirrel! You know, and I'm off <laughs> doing something else. <laughs> yep. And so we did it, and we had a, a game plan. The game plan was to do the first one to see what kind of feedback we got from fans, and we... Twitter us and all that kind of stuff and it was mainly positive a few negatives um, I do not look like an idiot but there were times where people kind of like would bring up um, uh, certain points of the story and when you've slaved over sometimes sometimes they're barbs man they, mm. they, they sting you know yeah. and so I'd turn to Martin and go okay you, you handle that tweet I just I don't want to talk to you right now <laughs> it's not you it's me I'm gonna go away. So, but we wanted to make sure we, we, we could actually back it up with the other books before we actually took it to market. Ah. And Martin's obviously very busy doing other comic books and stuff. And so we wanted to wait and go, right, this works. Here's the feedback. Then we'll put the money together to get all six books done and then take it to market properly and go from there. So that's the plan. Great. You know, it's the plan. That's the I plan. I hope I get yeah. back to it. That's the plan. <laughs> but either way, days. it's in between my Justice Leagues and my Batmans at the moment. So I'm all right. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, following up on writing... What kind of things inspire you, like the stories you tell? Do you know what it is? Um, I'm really lucky. I, 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 I used to do stand-up, and uh, I... I would never have guessed that. Uh, <laughs> I used to love coming out here. That's actually not true at all. I would have guessed that. <laughs> I, I, I used to love, like, when I used to play the comedy store out here and stuff, and um, come out here and do gigs and things, and I met my heroes. You know, you're hanging out there with, like, Dave Chappelle and stuff, and... You know, and it, it was just really, really cool. It was an amazing, amazing time and I enjoyed it. And, and I used to go on there and have these brain farts and you get to release them into a room and people would react to that, right? Mm. And so for me, um, I always was kind of a storyteller, kind of had these ideas. I think it started when I first started dating because obviously a lot of men become storytellers when they start dating because they have to lie to get a woman to leave. Them, right? <laughs> That's right. And um, no, really. Embellish, I, I like well, to use. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's, I mean, I think probably one of the worst times is when, is when you say to a girl, can I give you a, a ride home in my Mercedes? And they're like, oh my God. And then they realize it's a van. I think there's a... Um, oh, I forgot my Mercedes is in the shop. <laughs> this is my friend's van. And I'm oh, yeah, yeah. So, so there's a side to it where I used to write. And so with me, it's like I get inspired by different things. We, um, in fact, Kevin, my friend who's in here tonight, 
and his wife and my my bride to be um, went to uh, uh, Santa Barbara for a wine tour to hang out. Fans are sideways because obviously there's alcohol involved and it's a good thing, right? So we went down, we wandered around, and we hung around um, Santa Barbara with Hitchin Post, all that kind of stuff. And it was beautiful. And I was like, I'd love to come and spend time here. I know, I'll write a movie set here. <laughs> and so I, I wrote a movie, um, which was originally called Decanting California. And it's now because of an Englishman goes there, because, you know, and um, opening up California, Decanting California. Right, so. And then um, a friend of mine is a guy called Scott Mednick, and he's a producer. He did... Batman Begins, 300. He's now uh, uh, rebooting the Ninja Turtles thing. And he's the greatest guy in the world. Really, really cool. I, I wrote this romantic comedy. Very kind of like Notting Hill meets Sideways kind of thing. Hmm. And um, I, I said to him, I was like, dude, I know this isn't exactly your kind of thing, but you know, I love your input. And um, I know underneath the you know, superhero stuff and that there's a heart of a real filmmaker. And he read it and he was like, let's do it. You know? And so um, we got together on that. And I'm just the writer on that. Um, but we're now talking to Rosario Dawson and things, and we're hoping to put that. But again, that was me being in a place wandering around and going, this is cool. How can I con my way into hanging out here for a couple of months? <laughs> and um, so I wrote a movie. Um, the comic book came from loving comic books. You know, I think there's a, a lot of superhero movies which are fantastic. And there are some where you kind of go, really? You know, it's, it is what it is. Mm. Right? And so I thought, well, I'm going to do this. And so I wrote that. And with... The, um, the film we just finished shooting a movie and went out in post-production, which is called Lair. Um, that one was picked up by Fox. And um, we were a week into Greenlight, a week into making it. We were camera packages, putting it together. We're making a studio film. And then Disney bought Fox. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, along with a few other films, putting the turnaround. And, um, you know, and you kind of go, you know, I'm an indie maker. I, I make indie films at the moment because I have certain budget constraints. And like sure. I said, the people that are involved are genuinely passionate people who believe in what we're trying to do. But there's also something about going, I'm making a studio film. Yay me, you know? Budgets. You know, imagine having more than meatloaf at craft services. That's a dream, right? And uh, then it all just went away. Cause you, and as a filmmaker, people are always talking about how difficult it is to be a screenwriter, how difficult it is to direct, how difficult it is to make a movie. And so after a few years when you've been struggling and you've met a lot of producers, when I was just trying to get things made on various projects, you meet so many producers, man. And the only thing they ever produce is a fucking business card, right? (laughs) (laughs) And you get to that point where you're just like, really? Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So when a studio picked it up, I was like, here we go. And and it went wrong again. So it shows you in the industry that we're in, it's so... You can never really just go, we're there until the check is in the bank, until that thing is signed. It can go wrong. AJ, uh, you've experienced some of that, haven't you? <laughs> oh, a little bit. You know, just the last 20 years of my life. Uh, but yeah. you got this great gig. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> can I ask a question? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great podcast. I listen to it. I enjoy it. And obviously, you and I are friends, Chris. But why are we all naked? Um, it just relieves some of the tension. And um, well, looking at you, you know, it doesn't. I just want to know. I know. <clears throat> it's hard to look, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> or is it hard to look away? <laughs> My God, it's like a penis, but smaller. Um, <laughs> sorry. Anyway. Nobody on. asked you to do stand-up tonight. <laughs> That's actually what the audience used to say when I was doing stand-up. Um, yeah. Nobody asked you to say, get off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you go from, okay, we have this greenlit studio picture. Okay, shit. Now it's in turnaround. Yeah. Now I'm making it independently. Like, what was that? 
process well, for you? Um, I was really, really lucky. Um, the Fox people were, were amazing to me. They were really, really good uh, and really cool. And they literally gave me everything back, didn't retain any IP. Um, it, as full disclosure, my, my partner worked there at the time. Um, but they were just really, really good at what they were doing. And they said, look, here you go. This has happened. Um, we think this should be made. Whatever you need, go. I had my storyboards that they were done by the guy that just did Aladdin. I didn't pay for any of that. You know what I mean? All of this stuff they'd done, all the pill, they were amazing. Um, my producer in Berlin, because we were going to shoot at Studio Babelsberg in Berlin, um, uh, uh, Germa, was incredible, supportive. He was like, look, if you make it and you need a, advice and we're, not, we're there for you. And they were just really, really good about it. And so I took it and I went back into the world and I know a few producers and stuff. There was one guy who I'd met a few times, seemed pretty cool, and seemed to be on that wavelength where as, as a filmmaker yourself is where... You know, it was like, I get it. Let's, let's just do something great. And for a few months, we started to put it together. And then it was like, well, this is the budget. Well, no, this is, well. This. And you get to a point going, well, I can probably raise that. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, um, and it was just that point. And, and there were so many things that were said that broken promises and stuff. And, and my take on it is pretty basic, you know. I'm quite a simple person, you know. Um, just do what you say. And if you can't do it, tell me the day before, not the day after. Right? Just basic stuff. And there was so much just bullshit and I was like you know what I can do this and I went and spoke to my friend Stuart who's also my cinematographer and he and I were like look if we put our ducks in a row and we, we put some money in ourselves and see what we need to raise and then my partner Shelly was um, uh, she works in finance so she could help out on what we we're doing and we sat there and we were like right me and Stuart we put some money in and then we'll go out to our friends and people we know kind of almost like crowdfunding mm -hmm. and raise the money we need to do it at a higher level than you would for crowdfunding normally but we knew the right people but they were all genuinely our friends. And every, actually, in fact, everyone but one person who wasn't a friend, that was a friend of a friend. And we raised the money for the whole budget, including post-product, everything, all the way through. Oh. And uh, we did it ourselves. And then um, my partner, Shelley, who was now, um, she left uh, Fox and was now just taking a hiatus, hanging out. Mm -hmm. Kept watching what I was doing and going, well, that's wrong and this is wrong and what are you doing there? And then she goes, get out of the way and boom. <laughs> and the next thing I know, she took over. And um, she basically was the powerhouse producing working with our, our, our line producer um james and put this whole thing together um and did an amazing job and because partly because shows collections of fox and mine as a writer i earn a good living as a writer as a director feature films i'm still finding my way i'm still i don't pretend to know everything unless it's 3 a.m the girl's drunk and we're close to my car but other than that <laughs> um i still had to find my way and i surrounded myself with friends who were in the industry who were willing to help out um, for at times no money. Um, example being, we were talking about before, Tristan Vassellis. Mm -hmm. um, he did the dip on my first short film and he came and did all the um, SFX on our, my present movie, which is created the creature, all the prosthetics, everything on it, for free. We paid for his materials, he did it for free, okay? Um, he also worked on uh, Ex Machina and Wolf of Planet of the Apes and he is now out here at the same time as I am, up for an Oscar. Oh, fantastic. That's how good he is. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. He's a good guy. Yeah. Well, I think... So we always hear the bad things about uh, people in L.A. And yeah. um, most of it's true. But um, there are good people, and I think good people have a tendency to gravitate towards other good people. And, um, and you know, they, they follow through, and they, and they do what they're going to say they, they can do. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely rare. I think it's, it's hard to stay open to it too, because you get burned so many times, yeah. True. you know, like you were saying, like people don't 
follow through on their word. Like all you have to do in this town to be successful is do what you say. Yeah. And it's so rare. That, that's the thing as well. You do, you have people, and I guess when they say it, some of them are just demons, but some people say it and they probably mean it at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then they go, well, it'll take work on my part and there's a game on, you know? And so there's that side as well. And the people we got onto our movie, and again, a lot of this was Shelley more than me, were phenomenal. We, um, I mean, even on the acting side, I mean, like our, our head of technical um, production is Martin Bromfield, head of, head of technical production for Gone Girl, uh, Titanic. So Never heard of any of those movies. I know, he's an indie guy. <laughs> is he, he an um, indie guy? Yeah. Most of them involve mime. Yeah, low budget um, stuff. <laughs> mime. <laughs> if you ever get bored, punch a mime. They won't, they won't call for help. It's great. <laughs> I, um, I, um, but he came on board and he brought on a, a guy called Steve Harrow as our post-production supervisor who worked for free. Um, he did Notting Hill, um, The Beach. And we had all these people. But we also had a lot of people. Obviously, we paid people. We, we paid the, the, the men on the ground. We paid everyone who worked on there. But we paid them uh, a minimum wage, as little as we could. And we agreed. And we, we were talking to these people. And we said, look, this is our philosophy. We're trying to make a good movie. And if you make this great movie and take it out into the world, then we all win. Um, this film is not going to be a film by Adam Crow. It'll be a film by all of us. We're going to go out and do something good. And so even our actors as well. Um, like we were talking to Saffron Burroughs, who's just wonderful. Just a wonderful woman. And in the end, she couldn't help us out because she had commitments over back in LA. But she was so supportive about what we we're trying to do and wished us the best and just incredible. Um, Oded Fair, who was in, uh, you know, The Mummy? The Mummy, yeah. yeah. He's also in all three um, Resident Evil. Um, mm-hmm. He's in Justice League, all these things like that. He's a bad guy. He's, but in this one, he's, I'm not going to say, but <laughs> in our movie, but he's, he was literally, he was filming and he flew over from the States to film for two days and stay on my friend's couch to do three scenes, four scenes. Yeah, to help us out, right? And just because he wanted to help us out, not for the fee. We didn't pay him first class. didn't bring an entree. just came out and did it. Corey Johnson, who just filmed um, the new Jared Leto Avengers movie, uh, Morpheus, Morbius? You should know that. It's the new vampire one where he's, uh, it's the new Jared Leto movie. Morbius. Morbius, yeah. He's just filmed that. Uh, Corey did... Two Bourne films, Kingsman. He's one of those guys you go, oh, it's that guy. Captain oh, yeah. Phillips, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, he, he's the lead in our movie. And uh, honestly, if we got him craft services, then he owed us money. Because he was one of those people who <laughs> like, was like, he believed in the project. He came on board um, as an executive producer to help it out as well. And, uh, you know, we paid for him to have a car and gave him a burger when he was good. Uh, <laughs> he crushed it. And he was amazing. And... Again, you know, we, we had so many amazing actors and actresses on our movie. It just, I was, I was really blessed. It sounds really cliche. We go, oh my God, it's amazing. Thank you. And, but they really were. They were good people. And they would stay late and work past the bell. And, you know, we paid them overtime. But because of the amount we were paying them anyway, it's way below their average rates that they were normally getting. Do you know what's really weird about it is, is um, when we were trying to put the movie together and we, I looked at the budgets and stuff we were doing in the studio and, all this, and you see all the, and, and you realize what it takes. But now with the technology that's available, you know, you, you've got like, we shot it on, um, uh, on a, on a, on a, um, on a red mm-hmm. 6k. Um, we did it with one camera. We didn't have any will, but you know, we didn't have techno cranes. Um, we had a jib. We, had, we, you know, it wasn't, we brought in a rain machine. It was three and a half thousand pounds to wet down the street for this rain machine. We could only afford to run it for 30 minutes. So that meant, and every time someone gets wet, there's another change of clothes and makeup and, and that's it. And so we were constrained by what we could actually do. Yeah. But the actors, um, we've, we think we've discovered some people. There's a fantastic act- actress called Anya and uh, she is 16 years old 
and she's incredible. She is just one of the finest people. I mean, uh, incredible uh, actress. And, uh, you know, we had Alana. She was incredible. We, we, we had all these incredible people, Ash, and, and they came along and they were willing to work late and be in the cold and get wet for like pennies on the pound to what they would normally get because they believed in the project and what we were trying to do. And that also gives you this degree of responsibility where you kind of feel like a dad. You don't want to let them down because they're doing such a good job. So when you've worked those 16-hour days and you're tired and someone's got to move a light or get coffee, you're normally going, I know I'm the director, but you stay there. You know, because you just, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it, incredible. Our, our whole team, I can't go on, I'm gushing now. And I'd like to thank God and <laughs> my mother. But no, we, we, we think what we're trying to do with our, this movie we've just done is do exactly what was told to me by this famous director. Um, tell a good story well. And the people that helped us do that are, are amazing. And they genuinely rocked up. And, you know, even even like <laughs> our makeup girl, Jojo, she's crazy, just absolutely nuts. The funniest person you ever meet. You know, and she'd just run around winding people up. And, you know, it was just an amazing experience. And so we're now in post on that. I, I know when you talk to people, a lot of the time they drop names and they go, oh my God, oh my God. If it comes over like I'm being a dick, I'm honestly not. I am so grateful to all these people because I know how much they put in for like nothing other than to see the project done. Yeah, and yeah. I'm trying to name check a few of them because they were amazing. And it took my breath away that these people were willing to give up their time for a project like this. You know, and working, you know, on, on hot dogs and, and goodwill and hugs half the time. Yeah. And yeah. we think we've got something good, so we'll see where it goes. But yeah, should be March time. It comes down to like who's a real filmmaker, right? Because right. And, and people that are at the top of their game, whether it's in VFX or makeup or whatever it is, yeah. they're still filmmakers and they still want to be a part of something great. That's you true. Know? And when you find those people, you grab onto them and hold on for dear life. That's exactly it. But the other thing as well I find is that when it, like me, when I'm on set, they're like my, my Stuart, um, my Stuart, my DP Stuart, uh, Stuart White is incredible. He's an amazing cinematographer. And I'm on set with loads of people around me and obviously you're the director and I've got a friend who's a director and he said, a lot of the time he gets overwhelmed. So what he'll do is he'll walk on and be really brash. You go, okay, I want 12 feet of track down here and I want this and this. I'll be back in 30 minutes. And then we'll go into a corner and cry until he works out what he wants to do. Then come back and go, <laughs> I've had an idea. Get rid of the track. What we're going to do is we're going handheld, right? And just get time, right? But I, would, I was like a kid. I said, talk to me like I'm six years old. You know, I'm Stuart's going, we want to take it down an F-stop or something. I'm going, tell me why. Walk me through this. Um, because... I'm learning from everybody all the time, you know, from, from, from the camera team, from the sound team. We had this guy called Aris. He's, he's hilarious. He's the coolest guy in the world. Our sound guy, head of sound. And he was like, I need myself, uh, I, need, I need myself and two booms. I need two booms. And I go, I'm going, dude, we haven't got budget for two booms. He goes, I know I need two booms. I do boom. I go, boom, boom. I go, there's your booms. He goes, no. And it was, <laughs> but he was so passionate about it. And me and my DP, me and Stu were going, we don't, one boom guys. And we were like, let's just sit him down and go, dude, get out we don't need it we can't afford it done and we left there going yeah we need two booms we, we, we so need two booms and he turned up with two booms and he crushed it and, and it's those little things where he's been doing sound for 20 years he knows what he's talking about Stuart's been making moves for 15 years I've been doing it for 10 but there's always someone out there who knows a bit more and it's their department so listen to them and so that, that's why at the end of the day a lot of the time I'm walking around going so what's this it's called a light okay you know, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed. Actually, I knew what a light was because I wrote it on my hand. <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean, though? You get, you get these people come together and, and they all bring something to the pot. Even, even the guy running and getting coffee, man, it's, it's all of that. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I'm blown away we got to do what we did. And yeah, hopefully we're going to have it out for Cannes is the plan. We'll see. Maybe Berlin, but we're now in post and we're putting it all together, bolting all the parts together. 
and uh, seeing how it goes. So distribution? Well, we've got uh, uh, we've got quite a lot of interest, which has been really, really good um, from stream companies, studios, stuff like that. So we're talking to a few different people. Um, again, what we did was we went to Cannes, and this was quite funny because remember how I mentioned how not all producers are who they say they are? But some of them are Bond villains. <laughs> and um, <laughs> producer man, pow, flat. And um, so this one producer who eventually brought the budget so low that we were going, well, we could probably clear this with the scratcher card. But, um, <laughs> and I fell out with it. I was like, look, dude, I'm not going to do it. I, you know, you want this and that. And I was like, mm. So I said, I'm going to take it to Can. I'll take the, can, the project to Can and see if I can raise some interest. This was last Can. And a friend of mine, Max, is a distributor out in Rome. And um, he's a friend and he's a good guy. He's Italian, so he's full of passion. Go! Go to Can. You can do this. I'll help you. And, like, and he agreed to basically put our, um, our movie with the, the movies he was promoting out there and put together out there just to gauge interest. He did it again. Pennies on the pound. We didn't have to pay his expenses for going out there. He's like, look, let's see what we can do if we can get something going great. And his producer said to me, you won't get any interest. You won't get any actors. You won't get any coverage. You've got a small independent movie. Um, it's, it's a thriller horror type thing. There's a million out there. You're not going to do it. We went out there. And if you get really bored, look it up. Because um, I think on day four, we were, we, ended, we were on page four of print in Variety with our little movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up in over 138 different publications during Cannes. <laughs> right? We were like on Gizmondo. We were on the time. We because we had a nice story. Because our story is a little bit different from a lot of your normal horror films. We've got, um, it's kind of a weird uh, dynamic. It's, it's, we think it's a good story told well. But the family, and we never explain why or what, the family is basically um, a mum, husband runs off with a younger woman, cliche, cliche, and she's trying her first same-sex relationship. And um, the woman she's dating has never dated a woman with kids before, so it's new for both of them. 16-year-old daughter's going, oh my God, mum's suddenly gone gay, really protective little sister. So the family are basically an LGBTQ family, and they go off and things happen like any other family. But it's never about their sexuality, who they are. This is the family, this is it. Whereas most of the films that I've seen with a central cast that are LGBTQ, it's about them struggling or them coming out or their issues or a problem or them succeeding or failing or whatever. We're just like, this is a family. This is what they're doing. Here they go, boom. And we're like that. So that brought a lot of interest. And we, one of our actresses is Jen Brister, who's a comedian in the UK. I think she's out here at the moment in New York and stuff doing the chat shows. Fantastic comedian, Jen Brister. And uh, she's a gay mama too. And we've been friends for a hundred years. And so she came on board, but we didn't cast her because she was a gay mama too, because she plays a straight role. We cast her because she's a great fucking actress, right? Um, Sean Buchanan, again, um, we've got this tough Scottish copper. Are you well? I'll kill you, right? And he's brilliant and he's dark. <laughs> um, and he kicks ass. Happens to be a gay dude. So we went out and we just looked for the best people to bring together regardless of race, religion, gender, band preferences, you know. <laughs> um, and we put together this movie. And because we had done it and we didn't go out and, and sort of push an agenda, we said, we've made a good film, we think, and these are the people involved. That got a lot of attention for us. And then when people started looking deeper, um, it was a case of, well, this is, could be a good story. And so, yeah, we've got a lot of interest now and we're going to hopefully sit down and see what people... Um, think of it how, how did you get started into filmmaking I know you said at one point you were uh, doing comedy and oh, um, that sort of thing I started off doing stand up um, I was a journalist then I became a comedian and I started writing for TV so um, I did things like BBC and uh, Baby Cow with production company Steve Coogan's one and stuff like that. so I did bits and pieces for things 
And then I was doing stand-up and I was writing comedy for, because I'm sure you're aware, some comedians don't write all their own material. Um, I know, shocking. You know? <laughs> um, and so that was all going really well. And um, I, uh, ha- <laughs> actually, they're not around anymore, so I can talk shit about them. So in the UK, <laughs> there was a, um, a, a company, um, a big comedy chain called Jonglers, and they had all the biggest amount of clubs in London, in, in, in the UK, they're everywhere. I loved them a bit. And they sort of started to change and, and there was a demise to them. And I got to a point where they go, you know, you go and do these amazing rooms in Camden with 500 people and it was incredible, it was great. Then you find yourself turning up at like a bar in Droitwich and there's seven people, a dog, and they won't turn off the slot machine because it makes them money, right? <laughs> and, you know, and they're like, oh, you're the comedian, great. Did you bring a microphone, right? <laughs> so, you get to that level and you're going, maybe I should try something else. And I'd seen so many bad movies, I thought I could write a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I really did write a really bad movie and I couldn't sell it. Like Sharknado? <laughs> it wasn't even of that standard, man. It was something terrible. I can't remember the name of it. And I can, but I won't say it. And um, yeah, uh, Bikini Cops, Volume 7. And there was never four, five or six, which is weird, right? <laughs> so... Um, I, uh, I wrote a bad movie and um, uh, got into a debate with my then agent at the time about it and to the point where I left because I thought I was right and actually she was and <laughs> found myself with a shit script and no agent going, oh, okay. So, uh, and then I went out and I, I genuinely became that guy. I read Save the Cat. I read, you know, all these screenwriting books and all this sort of stuff. And um, I wrote a screenplay. And while I did that, I made a short film called Warhol, which ran for 20 minutes. In fact, starring uh, Corey Johnson, who is the guy who's the lead in my movie now, mm. Captain Phillips. And uh, I didn't know him at the time, and he came and we shot for two days, and we went out and we won. You know, we got into like you know Bend Film Festival and uh, Long Beach, and we got a bit of traction with that. It was going really, really well, and we picked up a lot of awards and it did really well. And the sweetest thing Corey ever said to me. He won Best Actor like five or six times for different awards. Some, and that's the thing with award ceremonies. They're interesting. Or festivals, film festivals are very sure. strange. You look at the website, oh my God, it's like the Oscars. And you turn up and Steve goes, oh, it's in the garage at the back. Um, and here's a trophy I made. And I'm going, oh shit. You've got such a good web designer, right? But then you turn up other ones which are wonderful and huge and you feel like royalties and all that. And uh, he said to me one day, he goes, thank you for making me the guy. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm always standing next to the guy. I'm next to Tom Hanks. I'm next to Brad because he's a character actor. And I was like, wow, it sort of blew me away. And so that was the sort of start that we did that. And then I went out to Cannes. Um, at the time, I went out with my girlfriend. And so um, Shelley worked for Fox. And so she, they were putting her up in a beautiful hotel and treating her really well. So I figured I could be her cabana boy, you know, and I'll just <laughs> use room service and turn up. And I did that. And while I was out there, off my short film, I got a couple of meetings. And there's a producer called Elliot Yancey, who I've got, I'm going to move with now. He's done some great films. And he said, look, I've got a screenplay. I saw your short film. I like your dialogue. Would you have a look at this and give me your thoughts? I didn't know him, so I took the meeting, looked at it, went back. And I went, well, yeah, what do you want to know? And he goes, well, what do you think is wrong with it? I went, there isn't, I don't believe personally, and I could be wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of things, seriously. And my girlfriend keeps files. And, <laughs> and um, you know, I told him that, the idea was good, but I didn't think there was a story there. And he said, okay, what would you do? And I told him, and he hired me to write in a screenplay. And that's my first commissioned screenplay. And so I did that, and then I did another one, and next thing you know, I was getting paid to write stuff. And you know, it, was, it kind of went from there. And then with the directing, I was doing some TV, and, uh, and um, the director was directing, and I'm the writer. As you know, a writer at times on low-budget stuff has the same kind of level of 
respectability on a set as the guy who mops up the purge in the actress's trailer, right? So the purge. I, I'm like, could you get me some more cotton balls? I'm so hungry, and um, I'm not trying to keep my my weight down. But I saw Frozen; and it looks like a snowball. So here we go, and um, and so yeah. So um, I watched this guy take a line from my 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 uh, that I'd written, and this director destroyed it. I'll give you an example. So. Basically, the line is, there's two guys in a bar and they're looking at this girl that he really likes. And one guy says to the other guy, he goes, I really like this girl. I think she's amazing. And the other guy says, um, the only way you'll end up inside her is if she needs a new kidney. <laughs> Harsh. Um, <laughs> and then, so the director's directing and he goes over to the actors and gets them to say the line. And when the actors say it, they go, hey, I really like this girl. And the guy goes, well, the only way you end up beside her is if she needs a new kidney. Anyway, can we get a beer over here, please? And the whole line just died because it was up. It wasn't right. And I wanted to run over there and, and explain my point of view. But I had four people on top of me holding me down and putting something on my ass. So I couldn't get to them. Um, and so I thought, well, look, you know, I, I could give it a go. And I did a few short films and we got a little bit of recognition on a few projects and started to come together that way. And meanwhile, the writing was going great. So I'm writing for different people and doing things. So the bills are paid and it gives you that freedom. And that's the thing as well. It's like, I think all filmmakers or 90% of filmmakers, um, they just want to live life on their own terms. They want to be able to make their movies and hopefully people will enjoy that. And yeah, and there's that sign as well where, you know, it's like, even even the crappy film festival I was talking about with the homemade trophies, mm -hmm. there's still some degree of pride in that, right? Sure. When someone other than your grandmother says you did good, even if it's three guys wearing Star Trek vests and no pants, it's cool, right? It, there's some resonance in the value of that. And so it's kind of nice to get that. And it becomes a, a bug. It becomes a disease. And you kind of go, oh, my God, you know. Um, and, and I got motivated to go out and start writing more. And uh, there's a podcast called Indie Film Hustle out here as well. Mm -hmm. And I used to listen to that. And, and um, you know, and the guy, it was just like, oh, you know, even, even when he didn't have a show to do, he'd go on and go, Hey, you can do it. Do this. Do that. Don't fuck it up. Don't drop the ball. Now. And I, um, uh, Ferreira, um, I've got his name. Oh my God, my brain's just gone dead. But uh, his last name's Ferreira. But he's one of these guys who just seems to be rooting for you no matter what, right? And um, there are those those little uh, there are those little pockets of people like, like yourself who just go, I just want to make something good. Get, let's get our friends together. Let's put people together and do something. Um, he did a, he did a film called This Is Meg. Um, oh my God, what's his name? It's called Indie Film Hustle. Anyway. And he went out and made it for a shoestring and he got it sold and distributed and he just went out and did it. So rather than just sitting there and talking the talk, he goes, I'm going to do this. And he went out and made a fucking film, feature film, and got it done. Got distribution, got it out there. And he sits there and tells people how he got it wrong, how he got it right. And I think a lot of the time in this industry, people are so scared of failure, they won't let you in. You know, if they get something wrong, like the amount of mistakes I made making this movie that was saved by people around me, you know. And the same as in writing. I mean, I got hired to write a screenplay for... Um, uh, a big company and my girlfriend who I love dearly well you know her so. I do she's a lovely lady but um, uh, she's about as subtle as a clown fight <laughs> right? and she's turned up with a van of pies bro she's taking you out right and so she just has an opinion and is free to share it oh yeah <laughs> and freely shares it <laughs> oh yeah you call this sex well I'm trying <laughs> um, so I had the screenplay and I had a deadline to hand to hand in the work and um, I had this clause in it, which was a default clause for the time. So you probably know this. If you don't hand it in like a minute past the deadline, they start clawing back the fees they've paid you, right? So I've got to hand it in or give back everything we paid. And I'm like, I've done it. 
dun, dun, print it out, right? Because, you know, when you finish, you've got to print it out, right? Because that is it. That's, that's, that's holier than holy. And I give her my screenplay to read, and she reads it, and I'm sort of wandering around and come back in. And I go, what do you think? You know, I'm like, I'm like a dog in a hot car. I'm like, <laughs> up at the window, like, come on! <laughs> I know you're going to love it. I get to eat fatty food, and who cares about my cholesterol tonight? Because you love me, right? It's going to be that. And she goes, well, I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> Last act was a little bit kind of formulaic. I'm sitting before and all that. And, and it was like I'd been punched in the belly. I was like, and I remember standing there going, look, okay, I'm going to go for a walk right now. I know you love me. It's not you, it's me, but I can't be with you right now. And I walked out. And, and <laughs> it really was, you know, it, it, and it threw me, man. And I went out and I walked around. And I came back and I rewrote the ending and it went in. They loved it. But had she not have given me that hard talking, had she not been honest with me, then I probably would have handed something that wasn't to the standard it could have been. And I think in this industry, a lot of people don't like to be vulnerable. And I'm, I'm one of them. But the other thing is, though, I remember having a few screenplays given to friends who work in the industry. And they go, oh, it's great. I love the bit about the frog. And you go, thank you. And then you walk away going, there's no fucking frog. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people want to be your friend rather than they want to be a critic and they want to help you. So I'd rather someone turn around and go, this isn't right. And I respect them for them. I had it the other way around. I've got friends of mine who are screenwriters. And they go, would you give me your opinion? And I'll go, do you want to be your friend or do you want me to be a screenwriter? Mm. And, and I, I had it six weeks ago. A friend of mine, Mark, gave me a, a screenplay. I read it. I said, this is what I think is wrong. Made some notes. And he was like, well, Paul and Stephen think it's great. And it was. And I haven't spoken to them since, actually. But it's all known for five years. because we well, have Paul those... and Steve are blowing sunshine up your ass. <laughs> there is that. But, or, or I could be wrong. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, the thing about it is, because it's a, a, a creative medium, it's an art form, and everyone has their opinions. And it's, and it's very personal, too. It is so personal, man. You put Every time you write something or direct something, or create, you shear off a part of your soul, right? And so it, when you put yourself out there, you know, when, when you hand someone the power to destroy you, and go, all right, take a shot. That's hard, so I get it. But the other thing is this industry is so competitive, whether you work in sound or picture or you're a writer or a director, you've, you've got to bring your best game. I've had friends of mine give me a script to read and I'll go, I think this, and they go, well, you know, it's just a rough draft. I wasn't, you know, I'm probably going to polish it. I'm going, then why didn't you give me the polished one? Because it also takes time to sit and go through and critique something. So people don't read, and I was guilty with this when I first started, I'd do it as well. I've learned now. For you to ask someone to give a day of their time to go through your work and critique it, right? You need to make sure it's 100% good because they probably aren't going to do it again. Right. You know? And that to me is amazing. It's like Scott, my, my, my producer out here. He's making $200 movies. $200 million movies, not $200 movies. <laughs> he got an iPhone with a new lens. It's great. <laughs> and um, he's making $200 million movies. And he's like, look, once you've got the assembly for your movie done, send it over. I'll go through and give you notes. I won't be, I'll be honest, but I'll do notes. He hasn't, he's got 10 moves on the go at any time. He hasn't got time to do it. But he'll do it because he wants to help me out. And he's a good guy and he's a friend. Mm. And so I'm not going to send it until I'm sure I'm happy. Because he's, he's not going to do it twice, even though I've been friends for seven years, eight years. And I think people, you know, forget that. And I think that as well, if you're going to move forward, you've got to be able to take people to say it's shit. I've had people read my stuff and go, this is dog shit. And I look at it again and go, you're wrong. And I've gone home and go, oh, wow, it looks like someone stood in my script. <laughs> you know, it, there's, you, you can't be precious. And again, you have to remember that everything's an opinion. It's their opinion. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't right. mean they, they're wrong. It just, this is what they think. You know, I don't think anyone ever sets out to hurt you. If they're a friend, why would they? It's interesting. You, um, you talk about uh, not wanting to be vulnerable or um, not wanting to be imperfect. And uh, 
uh, you're obviously an artist and I work with a lot of musicians and yeah. uh, the same thing is true. And it's, uh, it's interesting how across the spectrum of the word artist, mm. there's one commonality and that is uh, that they never think whatever they're working on is, is perfect. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And they really um, uh, are, are afraid of, of somebody saying, yeah, that's actually not very good. Yeah. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is a lot of people have opinions and, uh, they may or may not be correct. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, they may not be learned opinions, right? True. So if you're not in the industry, maybe that's not the right person to ask, you know, kind of a thing. That's pretty sage advice. That is true. Because again, someone who's on the outside who say just watches movies or whatever, or, or listen to music, or whatever, a lot of the time, that's a pastime. It's not their passion. Right. And I think if you're going to get input from someone, you want someone who really feels about the medium or, or whatever. I mean, I was in a, you talk about music. Um, I was in a band when I was a kid and we were awful. We were, so <laughs> we were called Splash Street Funk. You have noticed my pala as a young white man. Sounds perfect <laughs> playing ska and reggae music. Uh, I was terrible. I was the worst in the world. And um, yeah, but at the time we thought we were the second coming, bro. And now I found a tape recently and you're going, yeah, a tape. I'm that old. You remember tapes, right? And, um, I had hundreds of them. And, and uh, I found a tape and I was like, I should play this. Where the fuck am I going to get a tape player? It's <laughs> a very good but point. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's, it's bad because I remember being bad. But at the time, you're like, we are the doors, man. You know? But oh, speaking of that as well, speaking about formats, it's like um, we were, we're staying in, in town and we're in Hollywood and walking along. And have these guys come over and give you a CD. And they go, hey, this is for you. I just want you to have it. You want me to sign it? And you make it out of them. And then they go, hey, that's 20 bucks. You go, hang on a minute. How'd that work? And you go, and, and I've, uh, I, I, now I'm going my way through this. It's like, yeah, hey, you want a CD? What am I going to play it on? Yeah, yeah right. The way we move forwards with formats and stuff like that. But yeah, I was, I was in a terrible band. I was awful. And we entered a, um, a local competition in the UK um, for bands. And um, it, was a, it was on regional television, but the heat was in London, very much like X Factor. You know, you're going to London, right? And so me and my band, we rock up and we audition and we get through our, our regional heat into the London heat. That's pretty cool, right? That is good. Till you realize no other band showed up and they put us through and we didn't even play. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> they had a TV slot, God damn it. I don't care who you are. We got to fill it. And we were also the first band sent back from London. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's kind of like the writing on the wall, right? Um, just a uh, public service announcement. Those guys that are are pimping their CDs, <laughs> be very careful because uh, I had a friend of an, a friend of mine do it the other day. He's like, you know, I bought three of their CDs. I gave him twenty bucks. You know, I want to support the art. It's it's what I do. Yeah. And I was like, well, let's let's put them in you know in the Jeep because I've got a, a CD player in my Jeep. There's literally nothing on them. <laughs> oh wow, that is crazy. Nothing, nothing on the CDs at all. It's it's another punt, man. But but no, my my musical career is is done and dusted, I think. But <laughs> but again, I think like anything, no matter what you do, whether you're a pottery into pottery or drawing or whatever you do, I mean, you 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 draw a satisfaction out of it. So I think that when you do create a film or you write a script or you write a track, even if it's not the best, I think if you're if you're open to it, you'll learn something from it. You know, um, sure. And, and yeah. You learn to do better. You realize that this is wrong. It's that, it's that old um, Edison quote about he made the light bulb 10,000 times and on the 10,000 time it still didn't work and someone said he 
why don't you give up? You've made it 10,000 times. You got it wrong. He goes, I haven't got it wrong. I've just learned 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb, right? <laughs> so, oh, can I tell you my, one of my, this is a pub joke, a dad joke. It's about music. You might like it. I will. Okay. Um, how many geeky um, audio files does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're too obscure. You wouldn't know them anyway. <laughs> I, uh, I really like that. Anyway, I'll move on. So, yeah. That's why I don't do stand-up anymore. <laughs> I got told it in the bar. So what have you got planned for next? I've got uh, a movie I'm looking into possibly directing, which would be fun. Um, and I'm supposed to be directing a couple of episodes of TV in July, August. So that'll be fun too. And the good thing about it is, is again, I get to work with people I like. Um, these projects, because they're not huge projects, I've been allowed to be like bring my cinematographer with me and a few other people. So, you know, they get paid properly now. Mm-hmm. They get to come with me and feed their kids <laughs> rather than go, go to bed, Sonny, and then pick up the piggy bank and shake it and go, there's some of the mortgage in here, I feel. So I'll be able to give it back, play it forward a little bit. So yeah, we've got a few projects lined up and um, Shelly, my partner, who pretty much produced this, is going to take a couple of months off to just lay there and go, oh my God, it's over. Because <laughs> it's that whole thing, you know, it's like uh, you forget how important uh, every aspect of it is. Uh, my lawyer is a guy called Tony Morris, who's also a friend. He's the coolest guy in the world, funny as hell. And, um, you know, we'd phone him up for advice. And even he, even he was like, look, you can't afford me, but what do you need? You know, he's that guy, you know. And um, we were like, well, I will pay you this amount and then I will clean your lawn. And if you ever need to move house, I'll carry the couch. Right? <laughs> he's going, fine, you wore me down. So again, all these people, even even on the on the legal side, even on the, you know, the catering, everything, we, we got so much help on this. And the idea of having other projects, we can go, hey, this time you actually get paid properly. We're going to pay for your flight rather than point you at a donkey. <laughs> Apparently that's important. Um, so now we've got that going on. Um, we leave here, I think, tomorrow morning. And then pickups and uh, then straight into post. Um, the edit's come along really well. We're kind of chuffed with that. Um, so, yeah. And then, um, yeah, who knows, man? Like, look. It's like anything, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I do something I enjoy and I can pay my mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's more than a lot of people and it's more than I used to have. I've done jobs. I've worked in McDonald's and I've worked in factories and I've worked at relationships that never panned out. Um, and in fact, I saw my ex the other day, which freaked me out because I was walking through the park and I thought I buried the bitch somewhere else. But there's a side to it <laughs> where if you, if you can get your, you know, get that, that, that point where you, you can turn up and your bills are covered and you enjoy what you do. Don't like, yeah. Adam, Adam, Ethan, Crow, thank you for joining us. Today. Thank you very much, guys. That's a wrap on this episode of Under the Marquee. I'm your host, Christopher Cope, and thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the personalities who call Sunset Marquee their home away from home, follow us on Instagram and be sure to check out our summer artist lineup and past performers at liveatsunsetmarquee.com. <laughs>